We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. Uh, The nonsensical effort poured into contact tracing. Uh, You can have a hand in uh, ending it. I will recommend how you do so. Uh, First, nobody tries to cannibalize their young like the Democratic Party. Uh, Kristen Sinema, the senator from Arizona, Democratic senator from Arizona, uh, is seen as an impediment to Joe Biden's $3.5 trillion budget spending boondoggle. Because Kristen Cinema, along with Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, uh, do not smile upon efforts to jam it through without a Republican vote. So it appears leftists are now dedicated to getting Kristen Cinema out of office, which is fine with me. Fine with me, because I will guarantee you that if they run a super liberal Democrat a progressive Democrat, a left-of-left-leaning Democrat in Arizona, they will lose, and that seat will revert to a Republican. So keep on going. There are reports out there today from Salon and other uh, leftist outfits that Kristen Sinema opposes House and Senate bills that would supposedly, supposedly save $450 billion over the next decade on drug costs, that she opposes this bill because she got a $750,000 campaign donation from pharmaceutical and medical device companies. Why is this such a top item on the Democratic agenda? Because they want to ram through their $3.5 trillion budget via a process called reconciliation which means they don't have to put it up for a vote. Yeah, they want to they want to have a budget for the United States that will plunge our kids into incredible financial peril in the future without voting on it. And the way they do that is with what they call budget reconciliation, which means, well, we're going to pass this budget because we're saving as much as we're spending. So they have to exaggerate lie and reposition things as if, well, we're spending $3.5 trillion over here, but we're saving $3.5 trillion over here. And a big part of that is the $450 billion they say they're going to save on pharmaceutical costs. She won't support it. Ergo, she's got to go. So keep on, keep on targeting your own, the few moderates you have in the Democratic Party, because you're not going to get a super liberal Democrat elected from Arizona. It's just not. I know 
your state now stinks of the blue Democrats who've sought refuge from the high taxes, drug needles, and feces on the streets of L.A. and San Francisco by moving to Phoenix. And I know you've turned the state purple and you got Kristen Cinema in there, but if you run somebody left of Kristen Cinema, they're going to lose. And that seat's going to go to the Republicans. So just have at it. I've said before, I'll say again, I don't think I'll be proven wrong. Democrats continue to overplay their hand. Did you think Joe Biden could ruin our country to the extent that he has in just eight months? No, I didn't either. But he has, and it will continue, at least until the bloodbath they're going to suffer in the midterms in 2022. And when that happens, not if, when, then his hands will be tied. If there's a Republican majority in the House, they'll be able to block just about everything except his executive orders, and he's already done everything he can do by executive order that is ruinous to our country because how do I know he's already done it? Because if he could do more, he would have done it already. Maybe they just haven't been able to keep him awake long enough to sign it. I suppose that's an allowance I should make. Now, I've mentioned before on the show today and in other shows that you have to quarantine kids who've been around somebody who's had COVID in schools. I think it's a stupid, illogical, and (laughs) any other word I can think of in that vein, procedure. Because if you have been vaccinated, can you get COVID? Answer, yes. If you're wearing a mask, can you get COVID? Answer, yes. If you're not wearing a mask and you're not vaccinated, can you get COVID? Yes. So why are there different rules for quarantining kids who have not been vaccinated and who are not wearing masks than there are for kids who either A, have been vaccinated or B, are wearing masks? Since all three kinds of kids, those without masks, without vaccines, with masks, and with vaccines, can all get COVID from being in a room with someone who has COVID. If you really care about contact tracing, keeping everyone safe, if you really cared about that, since all of them are susceptible to getting it from supposed exposure, then all of them should be treated exactly the same. But all of them are not treated exactly the same. And administrators throughout the entire state of Ohio are wasting untold hours tracking down kids in classrooms who have been around someone who tested positive for COVID. So how do you defeat this as a parent? Well, they can't and won't contact trace someone's associates if they don't know your kid has COVID. (laughs) That's just the the honest truth right there. I'm not telling you not to tell them. I'm telling you that if you don't tell them, they won't be able to contact trace them. So keep that in mind. Story in the Cincinnati Enquirer talks about how many hours administrators are wasting. I'm sorry, expending. That was an editorial judgment. It's almost like I work for NPR there. Uh, expending doing contact tracing. Now, do they do contact tracing during flu season? Do they do contact tracing for anything else? Huh? What? I didn't hear your answer. Because they don't, of course, do contact tracing or anything else. This entire process starts when a parent calls the school's health office to confirm their child has tested positive for the virus. So if your kid tests positive for the virus, 
Maybe don't make that call. Here's what happens afterward. The principal pulls up the student's schedule and notifies all of the student's teachers of the positive case. Then teachers go into action, referring to their records to identify who was near that student. And also, which students were masked at those times? Yes, your teachers are really taking note of who's wearing a mask and who isn't. The principal then, get this, watches the lunchroom footage or interviews other students to determine who the infected child was near during lunch. This would be a good time, parents, to apprise your child of their Fifth Amendment rights. It's a a lesson in constitutional law for the kids. Sit down, kids. We're going to have dinner, and we're going to learn a little something about the Constitution. The principal determines which students need to be quarantined and calls those students families. Uh, But that's a pleasant call. Principal sends out communications to the school community with updated COVID-19 case numbers. Stupid, stupid, stupid. If the, I, if the students identified as close contacts have been vaccinated against COVID-19 or masked at the time of potential exposure, they do not need to quarantine at home. Does that mean they are not at risk of getting COVID? No, it does not. And any school administrator or nurse or health department official would have to admit that. They would have to admit that. And if I get that call, I'm going to say, so let me get this straight. Are you saying that someone who is in that class wearing a mask or has been vaccinated is 100% certain not to be infected with COVID? Is that what you're saying? And if they're truthful, and I know they will be, they'll say, no, I'm not. I can't make that assurance. Then how do you know my kid has it? Do we ever tire of this charade I guess not. I'm tired of it. I think most of you are tired of it, too. So we need a little entertainment. Where do we turn for entertainment these days? Well, it seems to me the great comedy teams of bygone eras no longer exist. Martin and Lewis, Cheech and Chong, Stiller and Mira. But never fear, we still have Saki and Ducey, the latest from their comedy show, next on The Bruce Hooley Show. Oh, boy, we're getting answers on the border situation at the White House. Come on. No, we're not getting them from Joe Biden. Uh, He's in the middle of a Matlock rerun, probably. Uh, Jen Psaki is at the podium answering questions, which inevitably, of course, will lead to an interchange between Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey. They are, for my money, the best comedy team out there working right now. Uh, Ducey is the straight man. He asks the questions. He's kind of the... Uh, which one was the straight man? Abbott or Costello? I'm not sure. Uh, Ducey does the uh, who's on first questioning, and uh, Saki comes up with the answers. Her answers are nonsensical. Uh, the other day, uh, Ducey asked her about the border crisis, and she said, well, uh, why?" He, he wanted to know, why, if you fly into the United States, do you have to be vaccinated And if you just walk across the southern border, you don't have to be vaccinated. And you don't even have to be tested. And she said, well, you know, the the, the people walking across the southern border, they're probably not going to stay here very long. So all those Haitians, thousands of them congregated under the International Bridge, apparently they just walked here 
for a vacation. They're going to spend a few days in Del Rio, Texas, El Paso, build themselves a nice little hut, and then head back to uh, Brazil or Guatemala, Honduras, wherever they came from. I know they're from Haiti, but they, they certainly didn't walk here from Haiti, unless they can really hold their breath for a long time. Uh, so Peter Ducey, uh, yesterday, he just was curious of something I think we'd all like to know, is uh, how many of those Haitians are there at the border? You're telling us that the DHS chief has the most recent numbers about how many of these Haitians under the bridge have been sent back and how many have been released into the U.S. The DHS chief is telling us that he doesn't know. So who else can we ask? You can certainly ask the Department of Homeland Security. I am confident, Peter. I am confident he wanted to have the most up-to-date numbers, and we will venture to get you those, I promise you, this afternoon. Uh, We didn't get them yesterday afternoon, and we won't get them this afternoon. Uh, And if we get a number, it won't be a number you can put any veracity in. What we know is that they're flying some of these Haitian migrants into other parts of the country. And so that sparked a Peter Ducey question about uh, the balance, whether we're releasing more than they're letting us know. Is this an issue of not knowing, or is this an issue of a lot more people are being released into the U.S. than are being sent out? That is certainly not the issue. First, I think it's important to reiterate what I conveyed earlier about uh, what the actual process is. Uh, Individuals are expelled under Title 42. If they can't be expelled under Title 42, they are put into a removal process. If they are put into a removal process, they're either transported to an ICE facility or released with a legal document. That legal document includes fingerprints, photos, phone numbers, an address in the United States, and a background check. That's the process that transpires. That's a part of our immigration process, regardless of where you're coming from. Now, you might want to know what Title 42 is. Uh, Title 42 is a Trump policy, uh, which allowed border agents to do what I would assume border agents should be allowed to do, or not I assume that, but what I wish border agents were allowed to do, which is, hey, you're walking across our border from Mexico into the United States. I caught you. You got to turn around and go back right now. We don't have to feed you. We don't have to house you. We don't have to give you medical care. We don't have to put you on a bus and give you a ticket to appear before an immigration judge. No, I saw you. You walked right across. Bye-bye. Out. Sayonara. Don't come back. That's Title 42. Of course, that's one of those policies that the Democrats hated because they like people walking into our country because they presume we'll give them stuff and then they'll vote for us. And if they vote for us, we'll stay in power forever. That's why they love Title 42. Then sometimes the most damaging questions are the most obvious questions. We got a border crisis. We got a president. Has our president gone to the border? Pretty good question. Has President Biden ever been to the southern border? In his life? I will have to get look back in my history books and check the we, times he's been to the southern we border. We have been looking all morning, and we cannot find any record of him visiting the border as president, vice president, senator, or even as a concerned citizen. What Ouch. Would that be? I can check and see when the last time or when he may have been. 
He should keep asking that question every single day. Every single day he should ask that question. Has Joe Biden ever gone to the border? Can you document that he's ever been there in 40-plus years in the U.S. Senate, in eight years as vice president, in a year as president? I would like for you to document to me Joe Biden at the southern border. And if he has not been there, and it wouldn't take long for you to come to an agreement that he has not been there, when is he going? And if they won't give you an answer to when is he going, why is he not going? Does he presume? Is he saying this is not an issue worthy of his attention? Because, as Peter Ducey smartly pointed out, Joe Biden prizes himself on being someone who likes to put his eyes on certain situations. This is a president who makes a point when there are disasters in this country, like a wildfire or a hurricane, to go and see for himself firsthand what the needs are of the local community so that he can have an informed POV to make policy. Why doesn't he do that? Uh, Why doesn't he go down to Del Rio, Texas and see what's going on? Well, first of all, Peter, I think the situation at the border is the result of a broken system. And the president certainly relies on his experience. So whether it was the work he did to address root causes as vice president, his efforts when he was in the Senate to support comprehensive immigration reform, steps that at a time were being done and worked toward in a bipartisan way, something that uh, certainly we think should be the, the case today. He uses all of his experiences to inform how he governs, how he approaches challenges. And certainly he looks again at the last four years and the, the separation of children who are ripped from the arms of their parents as a way he does not want to proceed. So all of his experiences and his time in office, whether vice president or Senate, uh, inform his approach to issues. Ah, is that right? Well, Ted Cruz had a little something to say about that, the senator from Texas. Uh, he notes the dichotomy between the position toward those people massed under a bridge at the border and how little attention the Democrats pay to them now and how much attention they pay to those who were detained during the Trump administration. I'll tell you, I've been to the border. I've been to the Biden cages. For four years, Democrats went on and on and on. The corrupt corporate media went on and on and on about kids in cages. You couldn't turn on the evening news without hearing kids in cages. What they didn't tell you is Barack Obama built those cages, and today under Joe Biden, the cages are bigger, and they're more full than they were before. Mr. President, every Democrat who stood up and lamented kids in cages in the House of Representatives, Representative Ocasio-Cortez has a famous photo of her grasping her head by the kids in cages. Well, I'm going to give a simple challenge for Representative Ocasio-Cortez and for every Democrat in this body. Go see the Biden cages with your own eyes. I've seen them, the Donna Tent facility with over 4,000 people with little boys and little girls on top of each other. Uh, By the way, the COVID positive rate in that detention facility that Senator Cruz referred to is 22%. That's the COVID positive rate there. Can you imagine if that were the COVID positive rate during the Trump era? Donald Trump is massing people together, hoping to exterminate them with COVID. How long would it take Joy Reid, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, or any other whack job on the left to make that accusation? 
But it's a see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil situation because it's Joe Biden's mess. A broken system, Jen Psaki called it. I don't know. I'm going to say that a system that used to not have 200,000 people teaming across the border every month, but now does, I would say the brokenness of said system is occurring now, not then.